It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. This season, Towns, he explodes and goes around the rack for the stuff. That's the only highlight. Because the Wolves are terrible It's right fitting. Now. I was just going to say, Where's the Wiggins stuff from last night? Don't you have the... Yeah, where are uh, all the Wiggy highlights? Yeah, because there's got to be a yeah. few of those. Uh, well, there's a lot of cat highlights. Uh, I was mostly just... I wasn't ripping Jonathan. I was literally making a point that the Wolves are terrible right now. Um, and it's their own doing, really. Mackie and Judd with Rami hanging out here uh, live on AM 1500. And if you want to watch us in studio... And creep on us. You're welcome to do that. We welcome you to come creep on us in studio with our Twitch feed, twitch.tv slash score north. You can find us and uh, make it sound so dirty. Like well, it, it could be dirty. Like they're like they're voyeurs who are like <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking, looking at three super attractive guys. I mean, how could you not be so attractive? Guys who have great posture. Yes. So We're working on it. I have a Sitting question for you, gentlemen. Before we we have write that down at five o'clock today. Predictions galore. We've got. We'll check in with Derek Wetmore. Another interesting day in Fort Myers. But uh, I watched the whole game last night. Wolves and Pacers. One twenty two. One fifteen. Loss by the Wolves. But just uh, I'm just gonna do a little box score experiment with you guys. Okay. Okay. So the Wolves had ten active players. Well, they had actually they had a full slate of active players, but they played ten players last night in the game. Okay. Um. I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way up. Minutes played by each player, just the rank in terms of how many minutes they played. Gotcha. So the guy who played the least amount of minutes was Bates Jop, okay? Draft pick from this last year. Wing player, by the way. Uh, Tyus Jones played 18. And then uh, Taj Gibson and Dario Saric each played uh, 21. Derek Rose was in the middle of the pack there. And then uh, Josh Kogi, Jeff Teague, 29. Carl Anthony Towns, uh, a solid... 34 minutes for him, 42 points, by the way, and 29 shots. And the guy who played the most minutes for the Timberwolves last night, the most minutes, played almost 40 minutes last night and did nothing. He was out there for almost an hour and did nothing. Well, 40 minutes, 20 minutes shy of an hour of game time. And he, Andrew Wiggins, scores 11 points on 14 shots. And we see this over and over and over again. And I'm wondering... If you're Ryan Saunders and you don't have the guts to do something different, if you if you just play him 10 minutes instead of 38, you win that game and you get to say, hey, I'm putting my stamp on this team and on this franchise. I'm doing something different. I'm doing the right thing. I'm taking the anchor weight off of this roster. We beat the Pacers on the road. They would have won that game without Andrew Wiggins last night if they just reduced Andrew Wiggins' minutes from 5 to 10 minutes. So what is preventing Ryan Saunders, young, innovative coach potentially, from doing the right thing. What do you guys think? I think it's a combination of things. I think it is partially, though, the, the current situation, which is he got the job thinking that, that I can keep this job if I can unlock Andrew Wiggins, which he can't. Which is why I just posted a column at scorenorth.com, cheap plug, that he needs to go to Glenn Taylor and say, if I'm going to keep this, if I'm going to get this job, I can't do this. He can't be on my roster. I can't play him. He's useless. He doesn't like the sport. It doesn't, it's, it, he is creating a culture here that is very destructive, that is not good, and I can't do it. And in, in the last two games, the OT loss to the Hawks two nights ago, and last night, I, I looked this up, I believe uh, Andrew's played a combined, uh, what, 
77 minutes of time because the he leads the game the team on Wednesday, in minutes for the record. The game on Wednesday w- went into OT, and, and I think amazing. he was at 40 plus. Anyway, um, I think what's stopping him right now is the thought process that unlocking Andrew was going to get him the job. But young Ryan needs to realize that that's a huge mistake. And in fact, if he does get this job and he continues to attempt to play Andrew as much as he currently is, he's going to have this job for a very short amount of time. And this might be his one swing at being an NBA coach. So he needs to rethink his stance right now. And this entire team cannot afford this drain. He is an embarrassment to the franchise. Do you think it's that Ryan Saunders thinks that his ticket to keeping this job is unlocking Andrew Wiggins? Or do you think Ryan Saunders has been told that his key to keeping this job is unlocking Andrew Wiggins? Because I get the sense that this is a franchise, starting with Glenn Taylor at the top, who is dead set on making Andrew Wiggins work. And I don't know if that's out of pure belief, that they think there's a great basketball player in there somewhere. I don't know if that's just out of stubbornness and not wanting to look bad after giving him that max contract, but... If that's what they told Brian Saunders, that our key to success and your key to keeping this job is unlocking Andrew Wiggins and getting max contract value out of this guy, if you're Ryan Saunders, you're the youngest head coach in the league. You're the youngest head coach in the league in, did you say, 40 years the yeah. other day, Phil? Yeah. You're not in a position to go, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I'm going to do it my way. You want this job. So you're going to follow marching orders. And if the marching orders are... If you want to keep this job, you have to unlock Andrew Wiggins. You're Ryan Saunders. You go back to your office, and you start grinding tape to see if you can crack that code to unlocking Andrew Wiggins. Because that's the only way that you're going to get this job that you want desperately. Do we think that Ryan Saunders is a smart person? Yes. Is that our guess? Yeah. Yes. Me too. He's a smart guy. Okay. Then if that was what you were told, then you have to go to Glenn and say... I'll finish out here, but I'm done. Then I can't do. But this. he's not in a position to do that. But he. But he's. It's going, not like people are are, but, are you, but clamoring for Ryan Saunders. But the problem is, you only get X amount of swings at jobs like this at his age. He's young, and I believe he's seen as a smart guy. So there comes a point in time where you have to weigh this out. And in my mind, he has now seen enough, and he and he's not going to unlock him. Wiggins will get him fired. That you need to go to Glenn and say. Eventually, I really want to be an NBA head coach, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to continue to apply my myself at getting to that job, but it's not going to be here, and that needs to be his call in my mind. Can I give you guys a food analogy? You know, What's I happening? Love food. Yeah, we got a bunch mm-hmm. of food lovers in here. I can't imagine on this show <laughs> talking about something about fat guys. Go ahead. I might even mix in a corn dog reference for Jonathan. Wow. Oh, Amen. All right. Wow. Have you had a corn dog? That yet this is week? literally the most excited I've seen Justin <laughs> since I started working here. I was just gonna say he's been down all day about the traffic, and he just took one look at the traffic and it just depressed me. You're glowing now, Jonathan. You well, Jonathan, corn dogs, I get excited. Jonathan looks at the traffic, and realizes it's gonna take nine hours for you to get home tonight. Maybe I write that down tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so your goal is. All right, I'm gonna draw two parallel pictures here for you. Okay, the Timberwolves' goal is to win basketball games. At least that's, there might be some people that would say, well, their goal should be to tank. But I don't think, from Ryan Saunders to Carl Anthony Towns up to Glenn Taylor, I don't think it's the organization's goal to tank. I think fans want them to tank. Right. Uh, But the the organization wants to win games, right? Well, all of us have done the weight loss journey thing. Rami, more than anyone. Rami, Mm -hmm. how much weight did you lose at one point? 135 pounds. Okay. So you lost a ton of weight. Right. You won a ton of games. Yes. If, if that's the, the oh, I parallel. won a ton of money doing it too. It was a bit on my old radio show. And there was five hundred bucks on the line. So yeah, like an endorsement or was it a like a like a bet? It was a bet with my co-hosts. The original bet. <laughs> so there was uh, actually I was the producer at the time. There were three hosts. The original bet was uh, all of them bet fifty dollars. I wouldn't lose uh, fifty pounds, and I said I'll, I'll do that easy. My goal was to lose a hundred pounds, so I got to fifty in like three months. And then I was like, hey, we still have like nine months left in this thing. You guys want to go double or nothing? Two of my hosts took me up on the offer. The third one was like, no, he's got this. So the double or nothing wasn't like that you'd lose all the weight. It was that you couldn't get to the next milestone? Yeah, it was double or nothing, 100 pounds for $200. And what did you do to lose that weight? Just started eating like a human and working out. Like, what did you... Well, hold on. follow me down this path. What did you? What did? What were the main things that you would stick to with your with your diet? Well, for for it was about portion control 
and and having Min- a, minutes control have um, actually in a way yes i was just gonna say i had an eating schedule you want to keep the metabolism yeah, working sure. so you want to yeah. you want to put something in your body like every two okay. to three hours so yeah i had definite guidelines and 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 uh and and goals and benchmarks that i wanted to hit along the way so is it fair to say as someone who's an expert in losing a bunch of weight and changing their life and changing their reality that if your goal is to lose a lot of weight and go from from point a to point b Mm -hmm. you've got to make sure you're feeding your body the right things that lead to weight loss and controlling and limiting the things that maybe aren't so good that are working against you so you want to you want to eat you want to eat leafy greens and vegetables, yeah. and maybe some lean meats, some fruits. And it's not that you can't dabble in, I don't know, a candy bar once in a while or a piece of cake. Yeah. But you want, you want to limit the amount of cake that right. you eat, right? If your yeah. goal is to lose weight, okay? Right. Because I would think on the basketball side, if you want to win games, you want players who are good at things like being efficient offensively and rebounding and distributing and not turning the ball over, right? You can hit your free throws, Okay. No, it's not that you, sometimes you got to play some players who don't fall into that bin, but you want portion control with those players. Mm-hmm. Andrew Wiggins is a giant seven-layer cake. And instead mm. of the Wolves exercising portion you control... You just made Andrew Wiggins more appealing than he's ever been to me. <laughs> to you? <laughs> Rami's like, oh, now suddenly he's worth that contract. He comes in wearing a 22 jersey. <laughs> you, you take a look at him and you think, you know what? That looks really good. Okay, yeah. There's some really interesting, great components about that. But then you put it in your body and you get fat. Right. You go away from your goal of losing weight. Yeah. Okay? So that's a long-winded way of saying Rami's weight loss journey is a lot like the Timberwolves' journey to become a good team. But instead of eating cake... You ate salads. Instead of benching Andrew Wiggins, the Timberwolves continue to play him for 38 minutes on a regular basis. But see, here's the problem with that. I see where you're going, but on a a human basis of this guy being on the roster, he is is still a cake with, and you're putting him in an eataholic's house who can't have portion control. So you've got, so you've got to throw that cake away. Like it can't be the the culture that that cake instills is very negative towards a person trying to lose weight because that person has problems controlling their eating. And, and that person with an eating problem just gave a max contract to that to the to cake that, to that cake. You know what I mean? You don't want okay, but you don't want to throw that cake in the garbage. Even if you're trying to lose weight, you're watching your money. You're like, man, I just spent a lot of money on this cake. Like, yeah, I'm gonna get fat, but on the other hand, that's a max contract I'm throwing in the garbage. You know so what you, I mean? You paid five hundred dollars for that cake. Yeah, damn it. Yeah, it is. It's sky high. I struggle but, with that. I'm not even gonna lie. And that was one of the biggest struggles when I was trying to lose weight. Is I hate seeing food go to waste. You know what I mean? And especially meat because an animal died so I could eat. So I hate to see meat or any kind of food go to waste. So sometimes. I'd eat when I wasn't even hungry yep. just because I didn't want to see food go to waste. So your analogy is actually working out perfectly. If I spent a crap load of money on cake, but I was trying to lose weight, I may still eat that cake. And that's where, Rami, I want to introduce you yes. and the Timberwolves to a thing called a sunk cost. <laughs> because whether you finish that steak or you finish that yep. you know hunk of meat or that bucket of wings or not, yeah. that chicken is still dead. Okay. <laughs> That money is spent. The money is spent. Well, why compound the problem? I mean, I spent. Man, I just spent four hundred bucks. Well, who spends four hundred bucks on a cake? But Rami did. But you. But and you, my goal is to lose weight. But but if you go to a dietitian, that dietitian is going to tell you take the unhealthy food and get it out of your house, yes. right? So so instead of instead of looking at this player and or a piece of food and thinking, okay, I'm going to go just eat a sliver or I'm going to play this person 12 minutes a night, the best thing to do is to eliminate it from your bench or refrigerator. Boy, this is a long <laughs> And so Andrew, this is a long no, but I but, love this. But I keep getting notes back saying, how are you going to get rid of him? It's going to be too tough. You can't do this. And I And my answer is, but you can't win with him, and I don't think there's any way to play him. He doesn't care. I mean, Phil, you, you've talked about culture on this show for how long now? I mean, we once got in trouble for it. We actually got called in by a former boss one time yes. because I said culture too many times in a four-hour show. <laughs> yes. But, but in this case, the word culture applies completely because this guy, his lack of... He doesn't care. Byron Buxton cares. 
And there's times that Byron Buxton in the past few years drives you crazy, right? And, and you're like, this might not work. But you never say it's not going to work because he doesn't care. You say it's just, it might not work because of his talent, his skill, his ability to hit breaking pitches. I get all that. All right. But you're willing to give that guy a chance. And you certainly aren't thinking his presence is hurting you. He might not be doing what you want, but you don't think, okay, but our 24 guys looking at Byron Buxton thinking this guy is really, he doesn't give a damn. Andrew Wiggins his quotes after games. There's a picture in today's Star Tribune of him after he got beat and he's playing defense on a dunk and he is looking at the guy slamming the ball down like, there's nothing I can do here. Yeah. Uh, Derek James, who uh, you can find, you can actually find I'll his find uh, written you. work on scorenup.com. He just tweets into the show. Uh, by the way, at Phil Mackey, at uh, Jay Zolgad, at Rami is tweeting and at score north, SKOR north. Derek James tweets in, so Wiggins is a giant Costco sheet cake. I'm down for that. <laughs> look at the look at the picture of Wiggins, though. No, he, yeah, he doesn't he's look like, like he's ready to block that shot. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'll show that. He's like, oh, too bad, I got beat. He's oh, looking man. at it the same way I like I would be standing there looking at it. Like, ah, nothing I can do about that. Uh, Deli- Deliberate Guesses tweets in, uh, just to me, somebody is triggered. Yes, I, that is true. I am triggered. Yeah. Andrew Wiggins triggers me. I'm not going to lie. Cake triggers me. Is there any cake here? <laughs> no, all you this cake what? talk. Actually, we do have, I think it's once every two months, there's uh-huh. like, like celebratory, if you had a birthday in the last two months, you get to... Oh really? Partake. Nice. Well, everyone gets to partake. Right. In a cake in the kitchen area. Really? But you got to be fast. Oh. Yeah. It's like email gets sent out, and then the cake is gone within about thirty-five seconds. Mm. Free food, man, and humans. It's unbelievable. I've said it all. I've, I think this is the third time I've said this. I've been here less than two months. Uh, my three favorite kinds of food in this order: number three, Italian; number two, Mexican. My number one favorite food: free. Free food is my favorite food. It tastes better when I don't pay for it. Yeah. Every time. Uh, how are you liking your uh, your first month of weather in the Twin Cities? I hate it. I hate it so much. I did not sign up for this. Is this what it's like every year? Is this, um, is no. this what I what I am to expect? I mean, it's definitely no. more wintry in Minnesota than in Chicago, where you are it's from. Not, but you, it's, but, but it's not. Keep, it's not this. This is the worst I've seen in my thirty three years. I hate to keep harping on this, but it's not even the snow or the cold that bothers me. I'm very adept in cold weather. I actually prefer cold weather to extremely hot weather. But just clean the streets and learn how to drive. That's all that bothers me. Is that the streets? There are streets in my neighborhood, and I don't live in a small neighborhood. I live in Uptown. There are streets in my neighborhood that for two or three days after it snows are still completely untouched by a plow or anybody attempting to clean it whatsoever, and no one knows how to drive as soon as a little bit of that this white is, stuff starts to fall from the sky. That's true, but but this is maddening that we can't go a week now without some type of snowstorm, right? Like, okay, once... Twice a month, whatever. At, t- at times, I enjoy it. But again today, after last week, this is ridiculous. I was going to drive home to Milwaukee this weekend. That's not happening. It, 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 <laughs> it'll take you longer to drive back to Uptown tonight than it would if you went to Milwaukee. I know. Phil's favorite town. St. <laughs> Paul or Milwaukee. Phil goes to Milwaukee. I actually, I got hammered on this. Sh- well, not drunk hammered, but I would enjoy doing that, too. I got hammered by Judd and our old producer because I said, the ranking in order of my favorite cities uh-huh. in the Midwest, mm-hmm. not Chicago's up there too, would be Minneapolis, uh-huh. Milwaukee, and then St. Paul. Yeah, I agree. Okay, I agree. Well, of course you. you agree. You just lived in Milwaukee. <laughs> he actually lives in the Twin Cities and has his whole life. Yeah, I actually bypassed St. Paul. I just go above it just so I can get to Milwaukee. <laughs> go through Hastings. <laughs> no, I love St. Paul. I do. I, just I, like have, I haven't. I haven't spent a ton of time in St. Paul. I'll be honest about that, though. So I, I don't know that I I can give an educated judgment on this particular you, debate. Use a GPS. Okay. I mean, even yeah, having lived right. here for 30 years. Yeah, he's right. There's a reason why our old governor from the late 90s, Jesse Ventura, once said a bunch of drunken Irishmen drew the maps in St. Paul long ago. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, still. you're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, Mackie and Judd with Rami. We're going to do a couple things when we come back here. We're going to check in with Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers. Another home run for Byron Buxton and injury updates for uh, Miguel Sano. And also, we'll uh, check in with Manny Lago, sporting director for Minnesota United FC. They start their season tomorrow. They have a chance to be good this season, and the uh, the new stadium is going to be awesome, so we'll check in with him. Write that down, predictions at the top of the hour. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500. You think you like football? Trent Dilfer doesn't just really like football. He loves football. 
Carlos High, little penetration, boom, and then the spin move. We've seen power. We've seen acceleration by Carlos Hyde. Welcome, NFL, to Carlos Hyde. The bell cow back for the San Francisco 49ers. Football! Yeah. Football, yeah! Football! Yeah. Football! Yeah. Football. Yeah. Yeah. Eat. the Vikings are on your mind. All the time! Not just during the season. Purple Daily. I don't feel like the Rams are that far from the Vikings. Like, I don't feel like the gap on paper is so significant to where you go, oh my goodness, the Vikings could never be that. Why not? Like, aren't the Vikings supposed to be that? Like, if you go back a year ago with the investment in Kirk Cousins, with all the pieces coming back, Thielen and Diggs, with all of the defensive pieces, aren't they supposed to be the Rams? What am I missing? Purple Daily on Score North. Scorenorth.com. Other than that, things are great, though. Yeah. They really Jerry. are. I'm just gonna sleep in our in our host lounge here. I've done I, it before. It's not fun. <laughs> What's well, I mean? There's a couch. A nicer couch now than when. Well, there wasn't the couch in there. It was just that blue couch out there. Oh, that's, that's tough. Not very comfortable. Yeah. Judd has slept on there before during taped interviews. I've taken cat naps. <laughs> oh, I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> I can uh, sleep anywhere. Uh, in uh, in a little while here, we're going to catch up with our friend Manny Lago, sporting director for Minnesota United FC, but let's head down to a warmer area of the country than it is here right now. Derek Wetmore, we want five minutes of your best stuff. Are you ready to lock in? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Uh, and I know, uh, is, it, is Five Thoughts posted yet today? Can people find that? Uh, you know, I haven't seen that Fats hit the feed yet today, but I did record it earlier, and Rami and I had a, about a 40-minute nerdy deep dive on the Twins roster and upside. Nice. It was fun. It was, was a lot of fun. It was awesome. pretty intense. So let's start with another home run for Byron Buxton. He's looked incredible. There's no two ways about it. I've seen way too many in my at replies, people saying, yeah, but it's spring training. It doesn't matter. Watch him get hurt tomorrow, to which I say, Boo! Boo this man! What do you want? You you could not have asked for a better start to spring training for Byron Buxton. And as we talked about on the podcast today on Five Thoughts, not just the stats that he's putting up, but how he's doing it, the hard contact he's making. Still one of the best center fielders in the game. So early, yes, I get that. But the early indications are nothing but positive for Buxton so far. What about it uh, leads you to believe, Derek, that it is a sustainable success? So as, as far as, because, I mean, clearly guys are trying to work on their pitches and things like that. Sure. And we always talk about that this time of year. But when you see the approach Buxton is taking, what are your takeaways that say, no, this actually could be for real? Now, I'm not a scout, so take this for care. what it's worth. Yes. Quicker to the ball, the fact that his swing is just impacting um, he in the past, Judd, you and I, we've sat together a number of times at Target Field. The guy get himself into a one-two count, and it's just like, well, you can ro- already put it in the book. This at-bat's over. And the home run today, one and two. His home run on Saturday for the home opener, one and two count. I know the pitchers are trying to work on their stuff, and that's part of this. And you know, Max Kepler hits a couple home runs against a minor league pitcher the other day, and we still talk about it as two home runs. I, I get all that, that spring training is a little bit grain of salt statistics, but the fact that you are not getting this guy to wave and miss hopelessly by bouncing a slider in the dirt in a one-two count this spring, I think that's a step forward for Buxton. The fact that he's getting that, here's here's what I'm seeing as an amateur scout from the press box, that front foot, leads to everything when he was doing the big leg kick i know there's a lot of talk about that if that throws off his timing flat out he needs to ditch it even if it means he's going to be trading some power the fact that he gets his front foot down early and he's there in the what i'll call like the see it position the ability to hit be locked and loaded i've seen that through the first couple of games for buxton here and he's making consistently loud contact even sometimes on his outs that's that's why I think this is more than just an early spring fluke for Byron. Talking with Derek Wetmore, our Twins reporter, live from Twin Spring Training in Fort Myers. He's brought to you by Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Anything to take away from Marwin Gonzalez's Twins debut today down there, Derek? He made a nice play at third base to his backhand, which is only interesting in that the Twins' starting third baseman has not yet began baseball activities. I don't know where this is headed for Miguel Sano, but if the season needs to start with Marwin Gonzalez as your everyday third baseman, that's actually not the worst thing in the world for the Twins. They bought themselves a bit of an insurance policy when they signed him. So, yeah, I mean, he played a couple innings and 
it's just the first spring action, so I don't have a huge takeaway other than I like to point out on Twitter when he makes a good play for a job that he might now be competing for. Uh, so you mentioned the starting third baseman, and we thought, okay, he came he came to camp, he's in great shape, and he's, he's got a little bit of a cut just on the back of his foot. And now here we sit, it's been about two weeks since he showed up, and the healing process has been slowed. And it's not as simple as just, you can't just be off for another week and then jump in and face Major League Pitching. You get, there's a reason why spring training is like a two-month ramp up here. Yeah. So where are we at with Miguel Sano? Uh, is he is he still in good shape even though he can't do baseball things and is he in danger of missing the start of the regular season? I would say he's definitely in danger of missing opening day. I don't think this is like a multiple month injury that's going to cost him meaningful time in the 2019 season. So, like big picture, let's not get too carried away with this thing. But as Rami and I sort of talked about on the podcast today, it's like just seems to be one thing after another. Like, what is the latest with this guy? Uh, he's still in the protective boot. He's still not going to do baseball activities. Um, to answer your, the other part of your question, sure, he still looks good. And by all accounts I've heard down here, Phil, he took the offseason very seriously to put himself in a good spot. Just something of a fluke injury here, I guess, that's going to cost him the first couple of weeks of spring. But, yeah, the calendar starts to work against you at some point here. You look at it and you say, okay, if it's another week and then he's got a couple of days of standing in there for bullpens so he can see some live BP or something – Boy, and then get him into some games and maybe some minor league games to get his plate appearances in. I'm not sure that he is going to start the season on the roster. It's not late enough, though, in spring that I'm sounding the alarms just yet. Just as like it's the latest in the Miguel Sano saga. It always seems to be something. So I did see him today. I think the hope is that he'll be getting into action in less than a week now. But still, we're talking it's already March and the rest of his teammates have been going for a couple of weeks now. A week into games now, Derek, what is in particular caught your eye? Is there something that has surprised you and or that you didn't expect that you have seen down there? Sure. Buxton's number one easily, but after that, a couple of the Twins starters haven't even taken the mound yet. And the Red Sox are doing this thing I heard this spring where they pitched an extra month you know, into October. Their starters are basically not starting spring training. They're going to delay their ramp-up because... Spring training goes pretty long, and that's more bullets that the arm has to fire. The Twins, on the same hand, Michael Pineda threw his first pitch today. He's back from Tommy John surgery. Then Kyle Gibson and Jake Odorizzi are still scheduled to start. So we have seen Barrios. That's that's an encouraging thing. But I I wonder if the Twins are on a similar sort of slow ramp-up process. So it's I'm not evading the question, classic Wetmore move, ask the question and sort of dodge it and give other information settle on a i don't know but in this case i would say byron buxton is easily the top takeaway and the future executive we just yeah thank you i've been i've uh been listening to thad levine and Derek falvey a lot here this spring so i'm learning but i i would say that you just haven't seen much of the starters, so there's not too much to take away from those I'm not hearing Williams Estadio name very much except when I bring <laughs> him up. At all. What, what has he what has he done in spring training so far, Derek? Uh catcher and he's played a little bit of third base. So there you go. If you wanna recklessly speculate uh, in another twins segment, uh, there's some fuel to the fire. Miguel Sano, not quite ready. Marwin Gonzalez, he'll play everywhere. Williams Astadio had a third base glove on the other day, so Make of that whatever you guys want to. I'm just here to provide the facts, and you can go ahead and run with it if you need. Wow. Uh, it seems like everyone's practicing at third base here. I'm guessing they're not going to bank on 150 from our guy, Miguel Sano. I played third base for a while. I have, I still have the arm. I don't know if I have the range of motion anymore, but I still, I still have the arm, Call Derek, Falvey. if you want to put in a word for me. You're like Roger Dorn. Like you can sit over there and just take one-hoppers off your chest. <laughs> oh, yeah, and Pick them sure. up and throw them yeah. over. Yeah. Well, well guys, I'm going to just put in a quick word for you that Miguel Sano is their starting third baseman and Williams Astadio played there. Clearly, range of motion was not at the top of their list (laughs) for scouting reports. Wow, Wetmore coming high. Uh, A question for you after watching today's game on Fox Sports North. Has Michael Pineda always been that big? I mean, he's, oh, a, he's huge. He's a big man, but dare I say he might be carrying a few extra pounds as well right now. He looks enormous. I think that's kind of Pineda, though. I, okay. he's, he's huge. When I first saw him last year, and of course he was rehabbing, so it, he wasn't in danger of getting in any game anytime soon, but I, that was the first thing I was struck by. Like, oh my gosh, 
this guy makes his teammates uh, Miguel Sano and Kenny Vargas look like relatively normal-sized humans. Those two guys are not normal-sized humans. They look like football players. And uh, Pineda, yeah, he he is the biggest guy in the clubhouse. He touched 95 today, Judd. That's what I was kind of impressed with. It's his first start back, so maybe a little amped up or something. But still, that's a, that's a pretty big fastball. And in terms of stuff, he's kind of always been one of those pitchers that the stats crowd and the scouts crowd agreed. This guy should probably be better than the numbers that he's putting up. So I, I don't know. It's it's really early, but your observation is spot on. He's a huge guy, and I think the Twins are counting on him for some good things in 2019. Judd, he actually weighs less now than he did when he had a glob of pine tar all over his neck with the Yankees. <laughs> he, he could <laughs> play right tackle. Down. Yeah. yeah, he does. He's he a, could play he's a big guy. Yeah. Um, Taylor Rogers did uh, did a segment from the clubhouse too. I, I you and I, Derek, because we're nerds, have talked a lot about Taylor Rogers on Touch 'Em All. But I almost feel like if you were to pull Twins fans, what do you think of Taylor Rogers? They'd all say, "Oh, he's just a, he's garb, he's just a guy, right? He's just but but the second half of the season, he was mostly lights out." And I'm wondering uh, where he fits in. Is he a candidate for closer? Is he a firefighter? How do they how do they perceive him compared to the other relievers going into the season? The Twins are going to play this one really close to the vest. So I'm left to speculate, and hey, that's just fine. I'll speculate all day long. I put Taylor Rogers as the leading candidate for closer when I started talking about this stuff in like December or whatever when we were talking about this. Taylor Rogers was quietly excellent last year, one of the best relievers in the American League for the second half of the season. Um, I would personally, if I were managing it, I would not put him in a multi-inning role. I would just have him be one of those assassins where you're like, okay, go get a zero. Give us, you know, get these next three hitters out and we'll move on. So if that's in the ninth inning of a one-run game, then perfect. He's the closer. If that happens to be in the seventh inning of a tie game that you need to win for some reason, well, then fine. I think Rocco Baldelli is going to be very flexible with some of that stuff. He's going to say, you two, U three, U four, whatever it is, you guys are my high leverage guys, and you're going to go in in what Mark Cuban would call winning time. Everybody else, you'll help us get through games and get through a season, and that's great. But I view Taylor Rogers as very high up on that pecking order. I just, I don't know if I'd use him in the what Rami and I talked about earlier on the podcast today, the Josh Hader role, where he's going to come in and get five, six, seven outs, something crazy. I think Taylor Rogers is probably more of a one inning guy, but he's an assassin in that role. Yeah. All right, we lied; it was ten minutes. It wasn't five minutes, but but you did. You did a good job going up well, to no, 130 no, pitches there. You said five of my best minutes. That's it just true. took ten minutes to get there. You that's avoided all. my question, <laughs> so right. I'm a little upset. But, <laughs> but there's five good minutes in there. If you cut up the tape, you just have to look for them. <laughs> all right, you can find Derek Wetmore's Twins coverage from spring training. Judd's going to join him down there for a few days starting uh, Sunday, too, and he'll do Mackie and Judd with Rami and also touch them all from Fort Myers. You can find all of these things at scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. And if you want to subscribe to all of our all of our twin shows in one feed. You just search Score North Twins anywhere you find podcasts. Oregon, go to scorenorth.com. And Derek Wetmore, uh, again, his appearances from Fort Myers are brought to us by the Shane Company, your friend in the diamond business. Bye, Derek. Thanks, guys. See All right. See you, Derek. Uh, let's, uh, let's transition. Is it, is it any warmer? Like, what's, what's the situation weather-wise, Manny Lagos, in Vancouver compared to three oh, sure hours ago where tropical. you were? Yeah. <laughs> I just got off the plane. Sunny. Uh, low 50s, so a different time of the year. I'd probably feel a little chilled. I am loving it right now. And I would say feel for you guys there and the commute you're going to have home because uh, a <laughs> little soul-crushing for another snowstorm there. Yeah. But uh, it's soccer season for us here now. So yeah. <laughs> I guess so, that's a good thing. Manny Lagos is the sporting director for Minnesota United FC, and match number one of the regular season is tomorrow uh, kickoff at 5 o'clock, pregame starts with our very own Jonathan Harrison and Dan uh, Dan Terhar on Score North on 1500 and also on our mobile app at 4.30. So, all right, what, what did you learn through the uh, exhibition season and what are the goals for this upcoming season here, Manny? I mean, I think we're pretty excited. You know, we, we've added, you know, four or five really big pieces uh, to a core that we've kind of been building over the last two years. We entered MLS. Uh, you know, we, we spent some pretty good money internally within the league in terms of getting a player like Ozzy Alonso, who's been, you know, a perennial all-star, one of the best uh, defensive midfielders for years in the league. Uh, out of the league, we added um, Jan Gregus, uh, a designated player from Slovakia, national team player. Uh, we added Ike Oparo, who's been an MLS best 11 for several years in defense. So 
it, it, it's been an offseason where we felt like from the two years of the things we did really well, we kept players, and then we also added players with the areas of the field that we haven't excelled. And, and so we're excited. We're excited to get off and running tomorrow. So we had Jamie on Score North Live earlier today, and he said besides Darwin Quintero, Ozzy's going to have the biggest impact on the season, and it's not really going to be seen in the stat sheet. But what exactly does Ozzy Alonso bring to the team for those who haven't watched him play this or play before? Well, I love his story first and foremost. You know, he um, he comes from Cuba, and he literally, uh, you know, when he he came here for a trip, but he was a young young kid, about eighteen, and he got to the hotel and he he ran, and he decided he wanted to spend his life here in the U.S. and, and left Cuba and. He really has built a great soccer pro career uh, from that decision to try to stay in and have a better life in the U.S. And he, he's just a tough, hard-nosed player who has great expectations of excellence for every single player. Um, and essentially, a defensive midfielder has to be somebody who's selfless in terms of what they do. They just work around the field. They play in front of a back four defense. They plug up the holes. They do all those little things that stop attacks. And they have to get dirty. They have to sometimes be that tough guy that 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 fouls and, and takes yellow cards. And I'll say this because he, he's that kind of player. So unfortunately, sometimes red cards uh, to, for the good of the team. So he really is that player that doesn't get a lot of accolades, but he keeps everything tough and tight defensively. How much is this also a three-year plan, knowing that you are going to obviously play the first two years at TCF Bank Stadium, then go into the new place, as far as trying to trying to certainly not be um, not as good the first two years, but to put yourself in a position this season to be a definite ascending club as the new stadium opens? Well, I, I, I think we've tried hard, and it's been tough because you know we came in the league with Atlanta that, that's you know put... Forty, fifty million dollars into the roster right away in terms of player acquisition and player salaries, and and just with us uh, and the messaging was, we definitely want to be competitive every year. We definitely want to put a team out there to win championships. The reality is, I think we've over two years at TCF Bank, we've had some amazing home games. We had an amazing home record. Where we struggled was really uh, our ability to go on the road and show depth and, and show that we could you know, play both sides of the ball. We gave up a lot of goals. And I, I tell people that our story is that we expected in both those years to win. Now, there's no doubt that um, the investment was each year to try to add a little bit more money to the roster, add a little bit more quality players, while we found the players that we really liked. And I, I think we've done that over two years with, in addition, the fact that we have this massively privately under a privately funded stadium opening in April which to me is the most surreal thing uh, when I get to talk to people in Minnesota about that, you know, we not only have soccer being insanely relevant in the Twin Cities now, we not only have, um, you know, an ownership group that, that spans, you know, the Timberwolves and the Twins and our principal, Dr. McGuire, plus a lot of other families who just believe in the Twin Cities community, uh, but they paid for it. And, and they are, you know, that was a huge investment. And it took a lot of resources and energy uh, away from probably us you know, thinking about how we can invest more in the field. And I think with the opening this year, uh, this next three to five years is going to be an exciting time for the team and the club because now we get to start thinking about how we can use our resources and, and build and, you know, maximize the investment of this stadium. You mentioned a little bit you have, you have a lot of depth this season. You have a full season of Angelo. You have Kevin and Ethan returning. You have both Miguel and Romario still here along with Quintero. How do you fit all these attacking pieces on the field? And how great is it to actually have that kind of depth going into a season? Well, I think it's massive, partly because, you know, soccer is a game where you've got to run and work hard for 90 minutes. You have to be fully committed mentally and physically every game. And if you don't have that competition within the week, if you don't have guys pushing each other for that starting spot, you, you tend to get complacent. And I, I think the nice thing uh, with us this year, uh, I think the guys really have to push each other to get the starting spots. And then we also have a coach now that can really decide what type of system he wants to play on a day to kind of really game plan for how he wants to set up. But if he wants more attackers, more defenders, more midfielders, and it just gives him a lot more options in terms of really stepping on the field to try to be competitive. And then I would just add, you know, Darwin Quintero is a top five player in this league. He is a delight. He is amazing to watch live. He's quick. He's fast. He's an amazing finisher. And he's an amazing passer. So for us to have somebody like Tim and to try to get the most out of him to put, you know, pieces around him that want to work hard and play for him, uh, it's going to be huge. Manny, um, I know that you're mostly, uh, you work with the acquisition of players, but 
in my humble opinion, maybe the best acquisition you guys made this offseason was uh, Chef Justin Sutherland, top chef alum, who's going to be <laughs> advising you guys on, on your concessions. What does Justin Sutherland bring to the table in the game day experience for United fans? I mean, I'm a foodie myself now. So, again, I get to travel a lot and, and try different things. And uh, I, I've been to Hanson Hogg in, in St. Paul, and he's an amazing chef. And to me, it's just another part of, of, of the story coming up here April 13th, their home opener. And, and you just look at the design of that stadium, uh, and I think about what the experience is going to be like for people, and I get to talk publicly about this. I promise you, nobody is ready for what's coming. Nobody is ready for the type of experience, the type of noise, the type of atmosphere that stadium is going to provide uh, for this community. And then when you add in uh, the type of, of areas where you can get a good beer and good food, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable. I'm, I'm very excited to, to have people experience it. I just love that you guys have a player named Grey Goose now. <laughs> there's, some, there's some marketing opportunities there. I sponsor him? There, there is. There is. We'll have to call Grey Goose Vodka and see what they can do for us. So. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, Manny Lagos. We appreciate it, and good luck tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. That's uh, Sporting Director Manny Lagos from Rami with the, United Rami United. once again proving food wins out. <laughs> I love Top Chef. You guys watch Top Chef? My I, wife I have, loves yes. Top oh, I love Chef. Top Chef. What's that show where they send you into the grocery store and they give you the ingredient list and you have to go up and down the aisle and like... Guys, grocery games? Is, is that, that what it, it is? is? Where they say, all right... Um, you got to go get eggs, some licorice, and uh, a bottle of uh, coconut oil, and make a gourmet meal out of it or something. <laughs> I don't, that's not guys and like and games. like a I'm nine iron. <laughs> Can I give you guys a, a Top Chef complaint though? Because okay. my wife watches it constantly, and she uh-huh. loves the show. But here's my biggest complaint: when they when they get the the chef's table right, and yeah. the judges come in, and they get like some judge who's an actor from Melrose Place. Who the hell is that person to tell me? Who the hell are you to tell me if I'm a good cook or not? Like, if you're a chef, I totally get it, right? Right. But, but, you know, here's somebody who was in Wayne's World. (laughs) I believe you. You're not telling me if my food's good. Right, but but humans humans eat food, so can't anyone really be the judge of what good food is? Well, then I want good marks, because you don't know what you're taking. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Why don't you tell us about uh, your favorite ticket company here? Jed. And, of course, that, Phil, would, would be SeatGeek, the fine folks at SeatGeek. In fact, right now, I'm at SeatGeek.com, and I am looking at, okay, what would I do? What could I do this weekend? How about March 3rd, which is Sunday, Predators at Wild? A ticket starting at $50 for that game. Mikel Granlin will be back with Nashville. The Wild, of course, has three or four new players. And you know how you can get tickets? Once again, go to SeatGeek.com, and you can do that. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place, so you can easily find the seats you want for a price that you are willing to pay. SeatGeek designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. As I just said before, go to SeatGeek.com and you will see all of your ticket buying options. Right now at the website, I'm I'm looking at tickets for Sunday's hockey game. I'm looking at tickets March 18th, Michael Buble concert at the X. I'm looking at uh, Final Four tickets in April. I'm... I'm looking at a concert right here with Pink. And by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Your go-to source for everything, as I said, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code JUDD today. That's promo code JUDD, J-U-D-D, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event, and guess what? We have the tickets. I'd say thank you, Jonathan, but I didn't want to hear any of that. It's, Screw you, Jonathan. <laughs> hey, just the messenger, guys. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. We will write things down coming up at 5 o'clock and check uh, what things we've written down in the past have come to fruition and what has not. It's everybody's favorite Write this down. Radio bit. Write that down. That's coming up at 5 o'clock. But uh, news out of New England, you can count Jack Easterby among the many bothered by solicitation charges facing Patriots owner Robert Kraft. On the same day, Kraft pleaded not guilty to two charges of soliciting prostitution at a Florida massage parlor. Easterby, the Patriots character coach. You heard that right. Character coach. That's amazing. Has reportedly resigned. Uh, the Globe describes Easterby as one of head coach Bill Belichick's closest confidants, a man who helped guide the team through the Aaron Hernandez scandal and mentored Josh Gordon last season. A Christian preacher, Easterby also served as the team chaplain 
And uh, he said, quote, they call it team development or character coaching, he told the Patriots Wire. Just aim to be a servant, aim to be the glue, aim to help anything and everything to help our team gel together, be better men on and off the field, and help us hopefully work together as a team to perform at the highest level. That's how he described his position on Bill Belichick's coaching wow. staff. I love how granular we're getting with our coaching names and positions now. So we now have a hold him back coach, <laughs> right? Sean yeah. McVay has a hold me back coach. Well, Robert Kraft could have used a hold Probably, me back yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the car, car, car drops him off at the strip mall. He walks out. Coach comes back. Coach grabs him, puts, him puts him back, back in the limo. Puts him back in the bright blue Rolls Royce that you rolled up to and Orchids of Asia with. And teams don't have kicking coaches. Like you've got a oh, hold me mean, back. The Vikings coach are going to have. One. I know, but I'm just saying this is why teams should have kicking coaches. So if we've got a hold me back coach, we've got the Patriots had a character coach, and now hopefully the Vikings are going to have a kicking coach. What other? granular, nuanced coaches would you like to see added to the NFL? What else could we add? I've never even heard of this Patriots coaching position until today. Okay, so a question, though. Serious question. Pastor, you said, right? Yes. Okay, so he helped him through... A Christian preacher, to be exact. So this Christian uh, preacher helped the Patriots through the fact that they had a tight end who killed at least one person. Murdered at least one person, yes. And allegedly might have been more. Yes. Okay. Allegedly. Clearly, this team has been through some things, but but the fact that the tight end killed somebody multiple is a, accusations of cheating. Okay, how is this too much? I don't know. Like, how do you draw? <laughs> how does Christian preacher draw the line at? Okay, you know what? I can I can handle murder, and I can handle you guys deflating footballs, and I can handle you taping other teams and cheating on that, and I, I can, can handle you hiring. And did Belichick with, have an affair too uh, with a secretary? Yeah, did he? a while back. So need, I believe he left his wife. We should Google that before we start. Anyway, <laughs> find out. For sure. No, no, no. Speak first. Google. Find later. out for sure. I'm almost positive that I'm correct on this. Facts but it, don't matter here. But it, why say that? It's radio. But anyway, the point being is, how do we draw the line here? How long? I missed it. How long has this guy been with the Patriots? Did he go back to Spygate? Um, and now was the final see. straw? Well, but still, he if he doesn't, he took the job after Spygate. Did, uh, is is Aaron Hernandez a client that he worked with? Because I would leave that off my resume. I think. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Uh, yeah, uh, tell us about your failures with Mr. Hernandez. It well, does, he only killed one guy. It doesn't say in this particular order that I'm looking at how long he's been part of Bill Belichick's staff. Okay. So, I don't know. I kind of like uh, kind of like where the NFL is going here with granular, granular coaches. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. What coaches would you hire, Phil? I haven't put a lot of thought into that. See, I haven't put any thought into it. But there's all kinds of things. Style coach. Ah. Or just style coach to make sure guys are showing up to the to the well, stadium. And- the thing that now there are some teams that are hiring clock management and game management coaches. Like that's one thing. I don't need my NFL head coach throwing challenge flags when he shouldn't. Or calling the thing that bothers me is when it's it's a ten point game or something in the early part of the third quarter. And, like, quarterback will call a timeout because the play clock is winding down on a third and three. Like, no, So I need. I would say I definitely need a game management coach. And that, the Rams had that with uh, Jed Fish, right? Was Jed Fish their I guy? I think Jed Fish was their Former guy to do, for offensive coordinator. to do exactly that. Yeah. I think he told Sean McVay it'd be a good idea here to call a timeout or not call a timeout and all that good stuff. Actually, let's pose that question. Jonathan, can you just pose that question on the Scornet Twitter account? So the Patriots had a character coach. The uh, the Rams have a hold-me-back coach. What other coaches would you like to see implemented in the NFL? Let's see what people say throughout the next hour of our show. I would um, be really curious. I found an article from the uh, New York Post entitled Sugar Daddy Belichick. Yeah, yeah, he did, yeah. It says Patriots coach Bill Belichick has been supporting his alleged mistress, a New Jersey housewife, in the midst of a divorce by sending her envelopes stuffed with cash and buying a secret $2.2 million Park Slope townhouse for her to use court court papers alleged. How do you on the download <laughs> buy $2.2 million? I'm just going to ask the same question. Super low-key briefcase. Slide it in. You, you, you pay in cash, right? right? You pay in cash. Like the bank comes in the mail. Your wife's like, honey, what is this $2.2 million <laughs> townhouse? Yeah, and how do you hide That's the weird. $2.2 mil? Did we like, buy that? I don't remember that. Like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going out. Oh, who was it? For wasn't what, it to get $2.2 million. Wasn't it Darko Milicic that used to hide well, not even hide, store all mattress. of his money under his bed in his mattress? Yes. yes. So so he didn't trust banks or trust other people to hold on to his money? 
And so there was a teammate in Phoenix that was trying to explain to him, dude, like, if you put your money in investments, like, you could get, you More know, money. 10% on right. whatever it is. He's like, no, I don't trust. Put all money in closet, <laughs> under bed. But, but Belichick. Not sure if that's how Darko sounds. But, <laughs> but Belichick bought someone a $2.2 million townhouse Town yes. while married to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. He got I, caught cheating. <laughs> wow. Is, is that the act? There it is. Did we just see the act? No. Is that what you take to the clubs? No, it is not. It absolutely is not. Uh-huh. Sure, it's not. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever, when you've done stand-up at the end of a no. really good one-liner, have you, have you ever done the drum? <laughs> no, I have no? not. <laughs> that would be my bit. Hey. I have another show next Friday, by the way. Just uh, check out my social media for... Soon to come details. At Rami is tweeting. At Rami is tweeting, Facebook, uh, Rami is gramming on the Instagram. <laughs> it's a brand. Rami is tubing on YouTube. <laughs> Rami, Rami is eating. Twi- Rami, Rami is eating again. Rami is twitching. Dan- <laughs> Daddy, Daddy keeps telling me I, I need to get Rami is twitching before somebody takes that just to keep the brand consistent. And oh. he's right. I should. When we come back, it's our weekly prediction segment where we hold each other accountable for our wrong predictions. And I have a Judd prediction. That might require you leaving the room in this next segment. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and uh, scorenorth.com. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. And you can go to their website, wonderfully functional website, lutherbrookdaletoyota.com. And check out that pre-owned inventory section. There's all kinds of cars that you might look at first glance and say, that car's got like 100,000 miles on it. I don't know. That seems like a lot of miles, but... In reality, there's a reason why 80% of Toyotas that were on the road 20 years ago are still on the road today. It's because they're durable vehicles, some of the most durable in the world. And you get people like Steve and Dwayne and Jeremy and all my friends in that service department on the corner of 694 Brooklyn Boulevard that will take a pre-owned vehicle and make it run like new for a long time. As soon as you drive into that service department, you'll find out, I mean, someone's at your door immediately. Uh, They're even willing to engage in some hot takery if you've got some sports takes. Uh, that's uh, that's been a fun part of my visits for the last ten or fifteen years. So when we come back, Luther Brookdale Toyota, thank you for uh, for powering the Mackie and Judd show with Rami, and we're going to make predictions and hold each other accountable when we come back. If you own a small to medium sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to twenty six thousand dollars per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com.